Richard D. Phillips has written a book entitled Faith Victorious. And he makes this statement in his book, the Christian life is the life of faith. Faith is the issue on which the matter of salvation depends. It is the key that turns the lock on the door to eternal life. Faith is the channel by which we receive the benefits of God's, of Christ's saving work. It is the cup to which God pours his saving grace. This quote stresses the importance of faith when it comes to salvation. As Christians, we know that to be true, but the quote also stresses the fact that the Christian life is the life of faith. That doesn't mean that the Christian life is only about faith, but it does mean that you cannot live the Christian life apart from the life of faith. Let me say that again. You and I cannot live the Christian life apart from living the life of faith. When you come to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, that's what is stressed. That is what is highlighted. The important role that faith is to play in your life and in my life as believers in Jesus Christ. And you might not recognize or realize or even believe that the Christian life is the life of faith. But I think once we unpack this verse, once we consider the words of Ephesians 6.16, I think you will be convinced that the Christian life is the life of faith. Today we continue our series on spiritual warfare. According to Ephesians 6, 10 through 13, there is a war going on. And you are involved in it if you're a believer. And I'm involved in it as a believer. There's a war going on. And in light of that war, Paul says it is imperative that Christians put on the full armor of God. Not some of the armor of God, not a piece of it, but the full armor of God. So important is it that we do that, that in verses 14 through 17, he lays out for us each piece of armor that we are to put on if we're going to stand firm. And so thus far, we've seen that we are to gird ourselves with the belt of truth. That's the first piece of armor, the belt of truth. And in a nutshell, truth is to characterize our life. No longer as Christians are we committed to lying and deceiving and half-truths. We are committed to the truth. Truth is to be wrapped around our lives. That was the first piece of armor. The second piece of armor was the breastplate of righteousness. You and I are to live righteous lives. And when we live righteous lives, that protects the vital parts of our body, just like a breastplate would do. 
And we're to put on the gospel shoes. And as I said last Sunday, some of us are sneakerheads. Some of us got Nike shoes and Adidas shoes. But Christians are to be wearing gospel shoes. That establishes us. That stabilizes us. It enables us to experience peace that comes from the gospel. Today, I want us to look at the fourth piece of armor, the shield of faith. And as we look at this important verse, verse 16, I want to approach it from the subject armed with the shield of faith. There's certain things that I want us to consider as we come to this verse. Please consider the suitability of the shield of faith. Our verse, at least the New American Standard Bible, begins by saying, in addition to all. And if you hear those words, in addition to all, it might give you the impression that having put on the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the gospel shoes, the next thing you are to put on is the shield of faith or take the shield of faith. But that's not Paul's emphasis. And some of you have Bibles that are different from the one that I've read from. You still hold on to the King James Version or the New King James Version. And it says, above all, take the shield of faith. And it makes it seem like the shield of faith is the most important piece of armor. But again, that's not what Paul is emphasizing. Some of you have translations that say, in all circumstances are in every situation. And that's what the Apostle Paul is getting at. He's saying in every situation, in all circumstances, the shield of faith is appropriate. It's suitable. No, no matter what you're going through as a child of God, no matter what your experiences, the circumstances, the situation, whether they're good or they're bad, Paul wants us to understand that the shield of faith is appropriate, it's suitable. It's armor that always is to be a part of our life. And let me just hasten to add, this doesn't mean that the other pieces of armor are not suitable and appropriate. When Paul talks about the belt of truth, you know, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel shoes, all of that is appropriate, is suitable. But yet, when it comes to this piece of armor, the shield of faith, Paul brings it out in such a way that you cannot miss it, that he's highlighting how suitable, how appropriate it is for us to take up the shield of faith. It's almost as if it's in bold letters, in neon lights. He's highlighting this particular piece of armor. When he introduced the second and third piece of armor, he always used the word and. Having told them, gird yourself with truth and put on the breastplate of righteousness and wear the gospel shoes. But when he comes to this fourth piece of 
armor. He doesn't say and. He says in every circumstance, in, in, in every situation, he abruptly says, take this shield of faith. And, and so you should not miss it, that the way that he introduces this piece of armor stands out. It highlights, it magnifies that the shield of faith, this, this piece of armor, is suitable. It's appropriate at all times and in all situations. There, there will never be a time in your life as a Christian when the shield of faith goes out of style. You know how it is with certain clothes. They go out of style. And if you're smart enough, you just keep them because <laughs> they'll come back in style. So I can remember in my day, bell bottoms. Now, I didn't keep any of my bell bottoms. But I see some of you, some of you young folks, wearing bell bottoms again. You know, things are in style, things are out of style. Paul is saying when it comes to the shield of faith, it's always in style. It's always appropriate. It's always suitable. There will be no circumstance, no situation where you can say, ah, I don't need the shield of faith. It doesn't fit. It doesn't suit me. No, always as a Christian, Paul is saying that the shield of faith is suitable. It's the equipment that the Christian soldier is to have. Also consider with me the responsibility regarding the shield of faith. Don't be content uh, with knowing that the shield of faith is suitable. Don't get lost in, in, in recognizing and being fixated on the shield of faith. There's something that we must do with the shield of faith. And and that's what Paul communicates to us when he says in the middle part of that verse, take up the shield of faith. Don't just admire it. Don't just talk about it and look at it and say, oh, that shield of faith, that, that, that is appropriate armor. No, Paul says we have a responsibility, we have an obligation. He says, take up. The shield of faith. At least that's what the New American Standard Bible says. Take up the shield of faith. Now, now I want you to see this. When Paul talked about the other pieces of armor, he talked about having taken up and having put on and having shod. And when he comes to this piece of armor, Literally, it's having taken up the shield of faith. He's not talking about something that we're doing. He's talking about something that we have done. He's saying the Christian soldier is to stand firm. And, And how can the Christian warrior stand firm? He can stand firm by having girded his loins with truth. He can stand firm by having put on the breastplate of righteousness. He can stand firm by having shod his feet 
with gospel peace, with the gospel shoes. And now he's saying that the means, the way that I can stand firm, stand firm having taken up the shield of faith. It's something that I have to do if I'm going to stand firm. Having done this. And that terminology, having taken up, the idea of taking up, same thing he said in verse 13 when he talked about the armor. Take up. Take up, Christian, the whole armor of God. The, the emphasis is not so much wearing it, as he said earlier in verse 11, put on, but the emphasis in verse 13 is having taken it up, having made it a part of your life. And now he's saying, having taken up. What? The shield of faith. This is the fourth piece of armor. The shield of faith. In Paul's day, and even in ancient days, the shield was not some little round, small shield that was attached to the arm. Now, when Paul talks about the shield, he's talking about a door-shaped shield that was four feet high and two and a half feet wide. Massive shield. Not some little round shield that you uh, strapped to your arm when you were doing hand-to-hand combat. No, this is a massive shield, like a door. And it was covered in cloth and also covered in pitch, uh, in, in leather. So cloth and leather, and then still attached to the top and the bottom. And, and, and it was covered so that if a missile, if a flame, if a flaming fire of an arrow would come, that it would be able to put it out. And oftentimes what the soldier would do with this huge shield is stand behind it. And, and the shield was designed in such a way that it curved so that it protected you from the sides. And you could stand behind it. And it was constructed in such a way of wood. And the wood was covered with leather, etc. And some of the soldiers, what they would do was dip their shield into water. So that when the flaming arrow hit the shield, it was extinguished. It was put out. But Paul is suggesting Christian, you need to take up the shield. And he's not talking about a literal shield. He's talking about a spiritual piece of equipment. The shield, which is faith. So what is my shield? It's faith. But this is not justifying faith or saving faith that the Bible talks about. In Ephesians 2.8, Paul talks about, by grace have you been saved through faith. That's the faith that saves. That's the faith that turns the lock 
that allows you to enter into eternal life. That's the faith that results in forgiveness of sins. The, The faith that Paul is talking about is not justifying faith. It's not saving faith. He's not saying put on or take up saving faith. They've already done that at the moment of salvation. And neither is he talking about the faith. I do hope you understand that there is this thing called the faith, the body of truth that has been once for all delivered to us as Christians, that we are to believe and that we are to hold to. We're not just to have a emotional experience as Christian. As Christians, we are to hold and believe the body of truth as established by the word of God. And that's why in the new members class, we go over what we believe, the doctrinal statement, what we believe about God, what we believe about Jesus, what we believe about the Holy Spirit, the church, etc. The faith. But Paul is not saying put on the faith. No, Paul is talking about saving Not even saving faith. He's talking about sanctifying faith. Subjective faith. Let me put it this way. He's talking about the faith you and I are to have in God in our day-to-day walk. Take up the shield which is faith, which is your trust and your confidence in the triune God. He's talking about the walk of faith, the life of faith, not the faith that was a reality at the time of salvation. What Paul is saying is basically what the writer of Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says. Trust In the Lord, with all your heart. It's not talking about salvation. That's talking about in your walk with God. Trust him with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. It's a subjective faith. It's a sanctifying faith. It's a faith that puts his or her trust in God. It's the faith that's mentioned in Hebrews 11, verse 6, where the writer of Hebrews says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And if you read that chapter, the chapter on faith, it's not talking about initial trust in Jesus for salvation is talking about living for God day in and day out and trusting in what he has said and revealed about himself in his word. You want to know what this faith looks like? Just read Hebrews 11. Read about Noah. Read about Enoch. Read about Abraham and Sarah and Moses. and, And you'll learn what it means to have faith in your daily walk with God. And so Paul is saying, Christian, soldiers, take the shield of faith. That is, take faith and make it real in your life. Make sure you are trusting God day in and day out as you live your life. 
That's what he's calling on. In the Old Testament, the Bible would say that God is our shield. New Testament says faith is our shield. So you have God in the Old Testament saying to Abram, that is Abraham, God says in Genesis 15:1, I am a shield to you. You see, the shield was a protective, defensive piece of armor. It protected the individual. And God in the Old Testament says, I'm your shield. I'm your protection. David declared to God in Psalm 3:3, but thou, O Lord, art a shield. Not just in front of me, not just behind, but around me, God. You are a shield. You're my protection. And you know that if I'm going to quote the Old Testament, and if I can find something out of Psalm 119, I'm going to find it. But Psalm 119, verse 114, the psalmist says, Thou art my hiding place and my shield. God, you're my protection. And so God is saying through Paul, Paul is saying, we have a responsibility to this piece of armor. It's not enough to know that it's there. Our responsibility is having taken it up. It enables us and makes it possible for us to stand firm. Faith is so crucial, so important in our life as Christians. So the warrior on the battlefield for the Lord, stands firm. How? By having taken up the shield of faith. Protection for the soldier's well-being is active trust and confidence in the God of heaven and earth. How's your faith? How's your trust in God? How's your confidence in God? Do you believe his word? Do you believe the things that he has revealed about himself? Finally, I want us to consider the effectiveness, the effectiveness of the shield of faith. This piece of armor will not fail you. It won't fail you. It works It will cause you to be successful. Paul affirms this when he says in the last part of verse 16. With which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one. Paul says with the shield of faith you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one. And so Paul is guaranteeing the effectiveness of the shield of faith. In the world of basketball, I know Danny's happy. Somebody else is happy. Kenny's happy that the Lakers lost. But that's all right. In the, see, you're not getting no applause. So. 
in the game of basketball, all of us, most of us who watch basketball and TNT are familiar with Charles Barkley. And Charles Barkley likes to make predictions. He likes to guarantee things. And he'll say, guarantee. And when you hear that, you know it ain't guaranteed. You know it ain't going to happen. But he likes to say that. But Paul is saying, guaranteed. The, the shield of faith is guaranteed to protect you and, and guard you. It's guaranteed. And Paul is not just saying what his experience is. He's writing under the authority of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when he says that. So when he says, with which you will be able. That's a promise, my friends. You will be able. No ifs, no maybes, no buts. You will be able to, to withstand all that the arch enemy of the, your soul sends your way. Not sometimes, not in the good times, but all of the time. It's a promise. You will, not you might. You will be able to withstand all that the enemy of your soul sends your way. And I want to let you know, the enemy of our soul sends a lot our way. And if you don't believe that, believe the word. The, 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 the enemy of our soul has flaming missiles. Paul says, take this shield of faith. And stand firm. And if you do that, Paul says, I promise you, I guarantee you, is it an absolute certainty that you will be able to extinguish all the flames of the evil one. And so I want to talk about the flaming missiles of the evil one. Maybe you don't think much about that. Maybe you just think that living in this world is kind of easy. It's comfortable. No real challenges. Paul's trying to wake us up out of that kind of misconcept. When he says the flaming missiles of the evil one. That should impact us. That should enlighten us with regards to the spiritual war that we're in. Spiritual warfare is dangerous. Paul uses the term missiles. Now, I know what comes to your rocket missiles, etc., but in Paul's day, it was darts, our arrows, our javelins, or anything that you would throw or propel. It, it was a, the term that's translated missiles here is a broad word. But, but I like how it's translated by some of the other trans as darts, but even better yet, arrows. No, they didn't have machine guns. No, they, they didn't have cannons. They had bow and arrows. And, and they would use their bow and arrows, so to speak, to throw these fiery arrows. And the idea is that these missiles were flaming. 
These missiles were fiery. These missiles were blazing. These missiles were were burning. And and the point is that the soldier uh, would take the tip of the arrow, cover it in cloth, and dip it in pitch, set it on fire, and then shoot it. And, And it was to create havoc in the lives of the opponents. And sometimes it would stick into their shield. If it was a good shield, it would be successful. If it was a bad shield, then there was problems. And it's not as if just one fiery arrow was shot. The picture many times in warfare is that it would rain fiery arrows. Not just one coming your way, but many coming your way. And this is what Paul is saying to the Christian. That these missiles, not literal missiles, not literal arrows that we can watch flying through the air, these come from Satan. These come from the devil. Don't miss that. He says the flaming missiles of the evil one. And and when he refers to Satan as evil, he's talking about that old dragon, that old serpent, the one called the devil, the one called Satan, uh, the one who is the father of lies. These flaming missiles are coming from him. Uh, The one, as far as Paul is concerned, he's the personification of evil. He's not talking about an evil principle. He's talking about an evil person. Satan is an evil, wicked person, angelic being that has fallen. And he's about evil and nothing but evil. You don't want to play with him. You don't want to fool around with him. He's evil. He's wicked. And he is out to devastate and destroy Christians. And the way that he does that is by shooting these flaming arrows, these flaming missiles at the Christian. And if the Christian is not, has not taken up the shield of faith, they're helpless. They can't handle the flaming missiles. But if the Christian takes the shield of faith, doesn't matter what the circumstances are. Doesn't matter what the situation is. The shield of faith is always effective. When you and I live a life of faith, it is always effective against the flaming arrows of the wicked, evil one, Satan. Uh, You don't have to be able to identify the arrow. You just have to make sure that you've taken up the shield of faith. You, You have to make sure that faith is a vital and important part of your life. You have to make sure that you are trusting God day in and day out, that you're trusting him with all of your heart. Otherwise, if you're not, you will be devastated. You will be damaged by the flaming missiles of the evil one. Paul doesn't bother talking about what these flaming missiles are. 
I take it that they're related to what he said in verse 11, the strategies of Satan. But I just think that these flaming missiles come our way through temptation, through trials, through people. Did you hear that? Through people. Through situations and circumstances. They can come a variety of ways. As I've been meditating and thinking on this verse yesterday, I just thought, no, so why am I getting this information? Why is somebody telling me that? It's a flaming missile of the evil one. And I can't stop the arrow in the sense of it being hurled at me, but I can be living a life of faith and just simply say, God, I'm trusting you. I'm depending on you. I'm relying upon you. Yes, the flaming missile is thrown at me, but the shield of faith, my trust in you prevents the shield, prevents the fiery arrow from devastating me. And so I like this promise. I like the effectiveness of what Paul says about the shield of faith. He says that it will extinguish, quench, put out all. Did you hear that? Not some, not most, not a few, but all the flaming missiles of the wicked evil one. That's the effectiveness of faith in the life of the child of God. Reading these words of Paul, the flaming missiles of the evil one, should remind us that spiritual warfare is not a game of patty cakes or tic-tac-toe. It's all-out war. The conflict and the battle that Christians are involved in make mixed martial arts look like kids play. Spiritual warfare is like being involved in guerrilla warfare. You can take this lightly if you want. But Paul is trying to use terminology and words to impress upon us that spiritual warfare is no joke. He's not saying, oh, I got to be scared. I got to be running. I got to be. No, got to put on the whole armor of God that you can stand firm. And this Christian soldier can stand firm. Why? Because of the effectiveness of the shield of faith, the effectiveness of your trust and your confidence in God day in and day out. So that when Satan hurls his fiery arrows and flaming missiles at you, they'll be extinguished. They'll be put out because you are trusting in God and relying upon God day in and day out as you live for him. The flaming missiles will be extinguished. That's the promise. By the shield of faith. It's kind of like what James said in James chapter 4 verse 7. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. 
And many of us, that's the only part we recognize. But before it says resist the devil, James says submit yourself to God. Put yourself under God's authority. Trust God with your life. And you'll be able to resist him. And you don't have to go running, but the devil will run. Christian soldier. That's you if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Christian soldier. Resolve to live a life of faith. Resolve to live a life of faith. Commit yourself to trusting God and believing in God day in and day out. The Christian life, as I quoted earlier, is the life of faith. It's a part of living for God. And you and I need to learn from the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11. And may I even encourage you, come to Sunday school during the month of June, month of July, August, September, 2024, 25, 26, 20. Come to Sunday school but particularly come in June so that you can learn about faith in the life of the Christian. If I was the devil, and I'm not, if I was Satan, my scheme and my methodologies would be pretty simple. Keep God's people from God's word. Keep them from God's word. Let them think they know enough of God's word that they don't need to be exposed to it anymore. I don't care if you graduated from LABTS, master's college or seminary or whatever. We need the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word and proclamation of the word of God. We need the word. Consider the suitability of this shield of faith. It's work. It's suitable. It's appropriate. There is no situation, no circumstance where you can say to yourself, this shield of faith is not needed. Consider the responsibility toward the shield of faith. Take it up. As you're standing firm, the only way you can stand firm is by taking it up, making it a part of your life. And the issue is not where's the shield, where the shield. The issue is your faith, your trust in God. Have you put your confidence and your faith in Him? That's my responsibility. And don't forget considering the effectiveness of the shield of faith. It works. It works. That's not my testimony. That's not really even Paul's testimony. That is the testimony of God himself. God moved the human author Paul to write to the Christians at Ephesus that the shield of faith, with that it will extinguish all of the flaming missiles that Satan will hurl your way. We are in a spiritual war, and we can be lackadaisical, and we can be lazy, 
And we will be casualties. But the goal in the spiritual war is to stand firm. And it will be impossible to stand firm if you have not girded your loins with truth. If you have not put on the breastplate of righteousness. If you don't have on your gospel shoes. And particularly if you don't take up the shield of faith. If faith is lacking in your life, you are at the devastation and destruction of the flaming missiles of the evil one. We need to wake up, my friends. It's a spiritual war going on. And you can act like it's not. You can pretend like it's not. But God is saying in his word, Yeah, we're blessed beyond measure. We are to behave a certain way, but we're in a battle. And that battle means we must take seriously the word of God and put on the full armor of God. And in particular, in every situation, at all time, the shield of faith, which is effective, it works, it will extinguish all You might not even be able to recognize them and identify them. You might not even know which way they're coming from. They come from the evil one, but you'll be able to extinguish them, not because you see them and recognize them and identify. You'll be able to extinguish and quench them because you have your trust and your faith in God. You know what this verse did for me? This verse convicted me. And said, I need to spend more time in God's word, and particularly in Hebrews 11. I need to learn from the heroes of faith. Because the Christian life is the life of faith. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, please allow your word to have the impact upon us that you would want and that you would desire. Help us to recognize the seriousness of the spiritual war that we're involved in as Christians. Help us to realize that we have resources that will allow us to stand firm against all the schemes of the devil in the evil day and when the flaming missiles are hurled at us. Thank you that you have given us armor that will allow us to stand firm on the battlefield for our Lord. And Father, I pray especially for those whose eyes are blinded, for those who are still a part of the kingdom of darkness, For those who, if they were to die right now, would spend eternity in the lake of fire. I pray that today will be the day of salvation for them. That they would recognize whose kingdom they're a part of. Not yours, but a part of the devil's kingdom. The kingdom of darkness. Remove the blinders. Open the eyes. So that they might see the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ so that they might repent of their sins and put their faith in Christ. 
Release them, Lord, from their sins. Forgive them of their sins. Make them a part of your family. And for us, Father, who know you and love you, help us to put on and to take up the full armor of God, recognizing that we're involved in a spiritual war. We pray this in Christ's name and for his glory. Amen.